you remember him as uh, as as Bulldog. You remember that character? Incredible character on the show, Frasier. Uh, bouncing off the walls. He was the sports talk radio host. He was a nutball. He was just a bundle of energy. Well, the real Dan Butler is, is a very thoughtful, uh, nice guy. And uh, super excited to get a chance to talk to him because he is in town in Chicago and will be starring in When Harry Met Rehab. And he is going to be the guest this week because Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, listen to this other fine Opie show. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. I don't know what the hell I'm doing with this thing. Just a head full of nonsense. That should be the name of the podcast, A Head Full of Nonsense. This show, this podcast, is an hour or less guaranteed to uplift you. Guaranteed is strong. To help you, to make you laugh, to make you cry. It does that for me, yes. To make you mad. <laughs> it does that too. <laughs> Back to you. Opishows.com. I love you it. find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits, talking over each other. <laughs> yes. Now they know they got the right show. Now they know it's up. <laughs> wow, that ain't gonna be a promo. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Okay, this week's guest, um, very excited about this man. He's a, he's an actor. He's a movie and television star. He's currently in Chicago in rehearsals. For the play When Harry Met Rehab, which opens at the end of November. You probably remember him best for his role in the gazillion Emmy winning television show Frasier, <laughs> where he played the gruff sports talk host Bulldog Briscoe. Please welcome to the show, Dan Butler. Thank you. How are you? I'm well, very well. Thank you. Now they have you playing another sports talk radio host. I know. What is this? And this time it's Harry Tynowitz, who is someone that's uh, well-known to the Chicago audience, but is a lot different than Bulldog, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He, but uh, uh, it's it's interesting discovering him. We're right in the midst of uh, rehearsals. And, of course, I've met, uh, met Harry. But it's that uh, where I meet Harry, you know, that sort of uh, magical distillation that happens when you uh, uh, step into a role, especially if someone that's alive. Right. Is that weird? Does it make it weird that he's actually there and watching rehearsals and stuff? Well, he hasn't been. He's just there for the read through. He's going to be there for a stumble through on Tuesday. Uh, no, he, I mean, he's very generous and he's very uh, he loves actors and he's very grateful. We're all doing this play so i think he's uh he's done his job continues to do the writing but uh uh and now it's in our hands and uh yeah we'll see what comes of it well we you know we had harry on the show about a month ago oh great and at that time melissa gilbert hadn't yet been cast and now now she's one of the co-stars have you ever worked with her before no no i i met her at a couple events of events when she was sag uh, president, but uh, no, this is our first, but uh, we're hitting it off well, so that's good. It's a pleasure working I, with her. You know, my, my mother, th- that was such a question uh, from my mother because she's one of those people that believes that uh, that everybody in television has met. 
that you all <laughs> that you all hang out. Well, he was in a television show, and she was in a television show. They must know each other. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, but it's not the case. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, you enjoying working with her so far? She well, it... the whole cast. I mean, the cast is amazing. Uh, you know, mostly Chicago actors. Uh, Elizabeth Laidlaw, Chike Johnson, Keith Gallagher, Richie Gomez. They're they're terrific. So the it's an ensemble. So it's wonderful being with all of them. Now, obviously, the play is about rehab, uh, and there are some pretty serious themes involved. But I know the playwrights pretty well, Harry and Spike. So there's obviously a good amount of humor, too. Uh, yeah. I, he says it's a comedy that takes alcoholism seriously. Would you say that's a fair description? Um, yeah, sobriety seriously, yes. It's, uh, well, it's, you know, it's through the lens of who Harry is. So him being a former stand-up and uh, a radio personality who sort of brought that stand-up comic sensibility to uh, sports radio um that's gonna be there um and also when you look at your own life you know the uh the worst the worst things you live through turn out to be the best stories 10 years later or something like that uh or the worst becomes the best the best the worst and you know you find yourself laughing in situations that um I guess are not fun. Originally, yeah, you originally <laughs> label as very serious and tragic, but you know, I think it's just the human spirit to come above that, rise above it. You know, I used to write a column, a uh, parenting column, when my kids were little, called "Father Knows Nothing," and <laughs> and the whole the whole gist of it was, uh, you know, when things went bad that was great for the column <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, the boys absolutely. would look at me like, in the middle of getting in trouble they'd go dad that's a column it's a column we're helping you <laughs> <laughs> do we get a percentage of this Come yeah, on. Right. exactly uh, we'll get to uh some of the specific plugs of the play uh at the end of the interview but for you know just a couple of quick questions like sure. first of all you're not from chicago but you are originally from the midwest right Yes, yes. Uh, Indiana. I grew up in Fort Wayne. I was born in Huntington. And we'd pop over to Chicago um, every once in a while uh, to see a White Sox game or go to the Museum of Science and Industry. Um, and then a few years back, I did my one-man show here while I was doing Frasier. Um, so I'm just glad I'm going to be staying here for a while and really get to know the city. Well, we're, we're excited to have you here. Uh, you know, I've been a fan of yours for many years. I oh, first saw you in that lighthearted comedy romp, Silence of the Lambs, <laughs> which, uh, you know, everybody has seen. It's won multiple Academy Awards. Uh, what was what was the experience like? I know it was one of your early acting roles. What was that like for you uh, working on that film? Oh, gosh, it was one of my it was one of my first films. And uh, I mean, Jonathan Demme, who directed it, was one of the all time great human beings and just treated everyone equally. And then, I mean, working with the Bug Wrangler, because I was one of the entomologists. Uh, uh, I think that's right. I always mix up entomologist or entomologist. But um, being around those scientists, and, uh, and it was our idea. We're playing chess, and they originally had just chess pieces. And 
uh, Paul Lazar, who played the other scientist, and I said, we'd be playing with bugs. You know, we, <laughs> you know, you, you got to put these pinned bugs on on here. And then it was, uh, yeah, it was a blast because we were the we were really like the only levity. Uh, uh, it wasn't necessarily comic relief, but right. Um, uh, we were the only levity in that story. So that was satisfying. Well, I worked in radio uh, back in the day. Uh, that's how I know Harry and Spike. And at the mm. time you were doing uh, Frasier, um, we all kind of took pride in that show because it was at least tangentially about our business. You know, it was yeah. radio and it was a great show. And obviously, yeah. and I mentioned earlier, there's like a whole room full of Emmy Awards that that show has won. Yeah. But we used to do a contest the morning after the show each week where people tried to identify the callers. Remember you used oh, to yeah. have all those celebrity yes. callers on? So it was like a regular part of our show. We were, you know, we followed it all the way. And Bulldog was a, just such a great character and a really big break for you. Did, did it change your life? Well, it was just a blast. What it, what it did, uh, it reminded me to just have fun. I mean, you, you invest a lot of... Uh, your energy into delving into parts and putting a lot of work and, you know, soul searching and, but, you know, to never forget that it's a joy what we do. And, um, the mixture of, you know, just doing this part. I mean, I remember at one point I just, it, sometimes it helps me to find the motto of a character. Like, you know, you see people around your, you could name your parents motto. Uh, but, I, I felt Bulldog's motto was, "Oh, come on, you really want to be me? Come on!" <laughs> uh, and 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 that sort of that sort of made everything sail. Um, and that uh, you know, when you're a supporting role, you're oftentimes just passing through the main event. You're important. Right. Your important stuff is off stage, uh, but it's uh, it's it's great. And then just being around. Uh, people I already loved and had worked with in, or, uh, in theater uh, and uh, the mutual respect between the writers and the actors. I mean, it, it was one of those, it was one of those star-crossed um, uh, events, creative events where for some reason it, it worked and everyone, uh, everyone's energy complimented uh, and, and with Kelsey at the center, I mean, he's magnificently talented and hilarious and created this great character. However, he had the ensemble feel from Cheers, from theater. Right. And I really think his motto was, let's all be great. I mean, he didn't have an ego that needed the focus on him all the time. He knew he was great. He had confidence in his talent and, it, you know, let everyone shine. That's great. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I talked to uh, Jason Bateman, you know, probably about 10 years ago. And and, and he said something to me that, I, that has always stuck with me. And that was uh, that the sitcom life for the actors is the greatest job ever. Hmm. Be because it's a regular gig. You know, the, the, the days aren't that long. You know, you've, you've got regular, you know, eight-hour days. Uh, you can almost live a normal life. Did you find that to be true? Uh, well, it was, you know, everything is its own 
entity. You know, you just step into that was that world. What I loved about it was um, it uh, it sort of was theater and TV at the same time because you're in front of a live audience and you're just uh, uh, enough of it is still so new uh, that uh, there's an element of being shot out of a cannon right. and uh, uh, just go make it work. Come on. Here we go. Well, that, um, that explains your energy. I mean, that, that <laughs> character had so much freaking energy. I had to take a nap after watching him. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You know, yeah, it was a blast. One of the things that I thought about the way you handled uh, your fame in that situation was I, I really think like you, you actually helped people. You, you were very at ease talking about your sexuality, that you're gay. You mentioned your one man show. You actually have a one man show that was talking about it. And at the same time, you were playing this totally against a stereotype character, a bulldog. Yeah. And the 90s, we kind of needed that. You know, the 90s doesn't seem like that long ago to me, but the the LGBT community has come a long way since then. And I don't think people today remember how groundbreaking it was for you to come out so publicly and with such confidence and ease. It almost felt like it wasn't an issue at all for you. Well, it was ironic that I had been developing this one man show about uh, just processing what, if anything, being gay meant at that time. And we were still in the midst of the AIDS uh, epidemic uh, at the same time. And uh, yeah, it was just goofy that, you know, you couldn't plan this, that I'd be playing this character, rapidly heterosexual sports <laughs> announcer at the same time. He's, he wasn't and, just heterosexual, he was like a womanizer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, and, you know, I was sort of goofing at the way my dad used to get angry, you know, go from zero to 100 percent and then back. Uh, and um, yeah, I sort of just got on um, for the ride. The whole idea of coming out. It's funny. I, I didn't give I mean, I had never been in. Um, but the, you know, doing a one man show about it and it getting good reviews and going off Broadway is at the same time as Frasier. It's, it's, uh, it was more of just getting on for the ride and, uh, and seeing where it, where it took me. I was more, what was scarier for me was doing a one man show and, you know, being backstage once when I was preview, uh, well, it was in a workshop and I'm going, oh my gosh, what if this means absolutely nothing to anyone but me? Uh, <laughs> that was more terrifying than, you know, coming out and talking about being gay. It was like, what if, yeah. And uh, what if I bomb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if these are all like unimportant, silly, stupid things to everyone else? So, but what was great was being in the wings and having that sort of terror, terror, joy. I'm going, oh, my gosh, I have not felt this way since high school when I would like dive into plays like that. And I want this, you know, you got to have that when you perform that, um, you know, a touch of anxiety, a touch of who knows, a touch of uh, let's do the trapeze act without a net um, or, you know, why watch? <laughs> it sounds like you enjoy the theater uh, more than than television or movies. Is that is that true? I think I I'm I feel very grateful and fortunate to 
up to this point, having uh, be able to do all mediums because I think they all um, they all work a different muscle and a different stamina. And what's great about the theater is all the storytelling um, responsibility is on your shoulders, and um, you've got to take us all the way through the through the entire journey. You know, uh, in in film or uh, uh, and to a certain degree, um, television, it's, you know, it's in, it's with the director and the editor, they're going to put it together. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I love them all. And, but right now, yeah, I'm enjoying being on stage. I was uh, looking over your television credits and, uh, yeah, boy, oh boy. Is there a show that you were not on? In the 90s, I mean, your Quantum Leap, Roseanne, Caroline in the City, X-Files, Columbo, King of the Hills, Star Trek Voyager, Suddenly Susan, the X-Files, Malcolm in the Middle, Allie McBeal. <laughs> Man, that's that's a heck of a list. It was fun. Yeah, it's, uh, I look at these shots, someone, you know, we were doing a thing the other day and they were showing shots from it. And, you know, I love it, but it's it's surreal when you go, oh, that that's another me ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, I it is still ago, me, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, uh, how cool. Well, which um, uh, of those, of those many guest slots, is there one that you look back on most fondly? And, and is there one that maybe you wish you were sick that day instead? Oh gosh. Well, I'm, um, uh, yeah, uh, X, it's just X between Files us. was pretty X files. And, uh, and, uh, and Roseanne, Roseanne was fun because that was like a, um, what was funny was the, the people who helped initially create Bulldog had been a, had been writers on Roseanne. So they hadn't, um, recognized me because the energy of the other character was so 180 degrees from Bulldog that they didn't, they didn't realize it was the same person so that's gratifying is there one that was just like ugh? oh gosh you can admit um, it it's been years no the statute of limitations has run out <laughs> i can't it, it's not it's not coming to mind i wish i could i wish i could dredge up a nightmare no nothing comes to mind wow so uh, so yeah. you recommend acting to everybody because it's all it's all great well i you just got a you got to love it or have a way back to acting as if you love it. And, you know, until the next joy comes. Um, but it, yeah, it's, a. um, I'm, I'm very grateful to whatever helped bring a life as a creative person into my life. So that's, that's great. Well, so let me ask you this. You're, you're yeah. obviously not, uh, you don't live in Hollywood anymore. So you're, you're, if, if I'm, if Wikipedia is correct, and it always is, you live in Vermont now. Well, I uh, it was bouncing back and forth. I was there for you know since the shutdown. I've been there uh, for two years, really, but okay. uh, also rent a place in New York City. Uh, so it's back and forth. And when we're not uh, all the time living in Vermont, we we've turned it periodically into a artist residency so we can work on projects and develop things. So, uh, that's been, that's been wonderful. So it's both, um, okay. but it's been Vermont, uh, for the past two years. What is, time. what is, so as someone who has never been to Vermont, what is it about Vermont that drew you there? 
You know, it was a confluence of a lot of things. Um, lived in Los Angeles for 16 years. I really thought I was only going to be there for four months. Uh, hated the idea of the place. Never, never, ever imagined living there. And uh, it was a good lesson in just you got to look at the things you say no to so so firmly. It's probably a thing you should uh, invest a yes in. Um, and so it was an incredibly creative time. And then my husband and I were just, uh, it felt like the, the energy of L.A. had been used up in a way. He, he's also an actor, but mostly a teacher uh, for uh, film acting. And um, it just felt like energy had been spent. And we were a little tired of living in a desert. And we yeah. said, I don't, I'd like to be someplace green. And we, though we like the ocean, we never have had any desire to be on a shore. We just, we, maybe it's from being, both being from the Midwest, we like rivers and ponds and woods. And so this sort of came about. And um, um, in fact, it took me about seven years being there and go and to, uh, to realize, oh, this is why we're here. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was like, yeah, like a dream you have and you try to interpret it, but it it doesn't interpret itself until seven years later. And um, there's just something about the the history of the place and the and just it's. I think it has to be one of the most rural states still. And uh, yeah, being at the that nature dictates what the pace of things is. Um, and I sort of needed that. Sounds appealing. Before we continue any further with Minutia Mint Celebrity Interview, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. So, Lou, what's the deal with horsepower? I mean, we don't use horses anymore. Well, we like horses, and that's how it started, so these are our new ponies. At least we're living in the golden age of horsepower and doing our best to enjoy it like we do on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. I'm Mark Vernon. I'm Lou Costable. Join us for the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You really think you can feed like 700 horses, Mark? Back to our guest on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview. So tell us, uh, for people who aren't familiar with Harry uh, Tynowitz and his story, tell us a little bit about what When Harry Met Rehab is about. Well, ostensibly, uh, it's Harry's story about 10 years ago. He had a very uh, public DUI, and I think it was sort of a combination of uh, – legal and job pressure that to uh to save your job you have to go to rehab for alcohol for eight weeks so it's that eight weeks and it's uh uh it's looking at that journey um and um and i think you know as most journeys in one's life where you go into a completely foreign atmosphere it's uh the, the journey where you realize oh the old tools that used to work in what i thought was my world they don't work it here and how do you develop new tools and 
how do you start feeling empathetic towards other people and supporting other people and whatever whatever recovery means to them that's what draws me to the story that i don't think it just needs to be limited to substance abuse it's you know there's so so much we can recover from anger rage um depression uh you know just how do we reach out and be empathetic towards one another again and how do we care for our fellow human beings um and i think we've gotten away from that a bit well i you know really looking forward to it i'm going to go to the show hope uh, i can meet you there great um, and, and it's funny it's funny it is funny well i know it's going to be funny i know those guys uh, you're you obviously come with your credentials too uh, and to make it funny um and uh when harry met rehab opens for previews at the greenhouse theater on lincoln avenue in chicago on november 24th tickets are available uh on sale at when harry met rehab.com and dan if people want to follow you and your career and uh all the things that you're up to is there a good way to do that you know, I'm sorry, but I have never. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> the answer, the answer is no. I've never uh, put a site up or uh, Instagram tweeted. I haven't done any of that. So um, just come to the show. All right, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. I I loved being on it. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that's it for this week's Minutia Man Celebrity Interview. Thanks very much to uh, Dan Butler for being on the show. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H-shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. And I think Dave will be with me next time. He just couldn't make it for this uh, interview. But we'll be back again shortly with another episode of Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? What is the deal with all these little little liquor bottles? Uh, Yesterday was my sister's birthday, and as Germans, I just thought it would be fun to buy a bunch of little ones. And as it turns out, I bought too many. You've got some crap here. you got rumple mints. Oh, it's awful. 99 apple. Uh, That is uh, apple schnapps. That is 99 proof. Are you kidding me? No. Holy crap. Which means it probably doesn't taste like apples at all. <laughs> be my guess. So this is fifty percent alcohol. Oh right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. You want one? Oh my god. This <laughs> this apple stuff is oh, <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. All of these are so horrible. Ugh. No, Go. not even a hint of an apple. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, OpieShows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits.